Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord, your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. When I was 18 years old, I joined the army and ended up serving for two years in Germany. And as I was there, uh, some of the guys that I was stationed with, uh, we like to go around to different towns and uh, see different sites. And most of the time we use the public transportation system. But some of the guys wanted to drive. They wanted to see, could you go as fast as you wanted on the Autobahn because there was no speed limit. And I was one of those guys. And so purchased a little German uh, Ford Town, as it was called. And I went down and I took the test at the uh, city hall. And it was the German test that you had to take in order to get a license over there. And when I opened up the test, the entire test was all the different signs, the road signs that were different from the signs in the United States. And so if you had studied those signs, then you did pretty well on the test. And I passed, and, and yeah, you can go pretty fast. <laughs> My car was shaking as I hit about 120 miles an hour or so. You know, God has given us many different signs down through the ages. And some of those signs have been very clear because he told us exactly what they meant at the time that he gave them. The rainbow is a perfect example of that. Because after the flood, he told Noah that he would never destroy the earth again with water. And he gave that sign in the heavens that every time he saw that sign, he would remember his promise. Other signs that God has given are clothed in mystery. An example of one of these would be the Antichrist, who's mentioned in the book of Revelation. And people have been trying to guess who or what that is for the past 1900 years. And then there are some signs that have become so familiar that we don't even think twice about them. We had signs like this back in Wisconsin. One of the signs was the deer crossing sign. And you saw that sign so often that it began to just blend into the background. You didn't even pay any attention to it. And you knew it wasn't heated very often because there were a lot of dead deer laying around on the road. In fact, one woman was so fed up that she complained to the local highway department and she said, why don't you put those deer crossing signs where there's not so much traffic so the deer will cross there instead? <laughs> so, she got a, the whole concept of the deer crossing sign uh, was not familiar to her there. And so there's a sign that God has given us that has become very familiar, almost to the point where we don't recognize the awe of it when we see it. It's the sign of the virgin birth. God's signs have the same purpose as road signs. They're there to warn us. They're there to direct us, point the way. They're there to make us stop and wonder. And today I want to look at the people that this sign has impacted and the reaction that they had to it. And so first of all, we're going to look at King Ahaz because this was a sign for the king. 
King Ahaz was one of the worst kings in the Old Testament. During his reign, there was a civil war between Israel and uh, the tribe of Judah. And Ahaz was ruling over that. His father, Jotham, had been a good king. He was one who had pleased the Lord. And yet his son was not following in his ways. Uh, King Jotham died at the age of 36. And then King Ahaz came in at the age of 20 and he began to rule and reign. But there was a major problem that was taking place under the reign of Ahaz. Judah's enemy, Israel, had gained an ally in the civil war that was taking place between the northern and southern kingdom. Syria had joined them, and they were beginning to attack Judah during this transitional time. Ahaz had a choice to either trust in the Lord like his father had, or to trust in an ally that was a pagan ally. And in that crucial time, God sent his prophet Isaiah with a message. We see it recorded in Isaiah 7, 10 through 14. And this is the interaction that Larry just read about. This is the scripture lesson for today. And so in this lesson, we see that the Lord is telling Ahaz that he will defeat the enemies of Judah. And to prove it, the king was to ask for a sign, any sign. And so Ahaz was to ask for a sign to give him confidence that he could move forward in attacking Israel, that he could defend Judah, that God was with Judah because God was not pleased with Israel. Israel had chosen this foreign God. Had, uh, they had chosen Syria to be their ally and to walk with them and give them that support. And so God was disgusted with that. But do you know, Ahaz saw the power of Assyria. There's Syria, and then there was Assyria. And Assyria was very powerful. And they were offering to help Judah in this battle. But the problem was that Ahaz, he didn't just accept the help, but he also accepted the practices of Assyria. He began to take on some of these pagan practices. Practices like sacrificing his sons in the fire to Baal. He made a metal image for Baal right in Judah. He made a different altar than the one that God had authorized. He gave the sacred golden articles of the temple to Assyria as a payment for their help. And so they lost these articles that had been sacred with them since the time of the Exodus. But God provides his own sign here to Ahaz. He tells him that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son whose name will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. In other words, he says, because you have rejected my salvation, I am rejecting you and I will provide my own salvation. And the big difference is that it's coming from me not another man. I will come down and save. I will be God with you. You're depending on a man, but I'm going to provide my own way of salvation. One of the most amazing parts of this story is that Ahaz was a distant relative of Joseph, who became an integral part of the sign's coming. But instead of rejecting the sign like his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, Joseph welcomes it. 
Which brings us to the next person that's impacted by this sign. Because it was a sign for Mary. In the history of motherhood, there have been some pretty amazing stories. We see some of them in the Bible. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, was 90 years old when Isaac was born. The Lord spoke to Rachel and told her that two powerful nations were struggling with her, these twins. And any of you who have had a child in you, especially twins, know about that struggle that takes place. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit, and his mother, Elizabeth, was also filled when Jesus came into his presence there. From the Guinness Book of World Records, we hear about some more amazing births. The largest baby ever born weighed 23 pounds. (laughs) The smallest baby born to survive weighed only 8.6 ounces, less than a pound. And the most births to a single woman, this one, I, I had to do some more research on this because I just didn't believe it, but it's true. It's a woman who had the most births, a a single woman uh, who had the most births by one man. In the 1700s, as a Russian gal, she had 69 children. (laughs) And this included 16 pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets. (laughs) And I was thinking, what were they putting in the water in Russia? They wanted to boost their military or something, so... But the amazing baby story of all is the fulfillment of that sign that was given about 700 years before to King Ahaz. Now, I want you to try to forget here this morning that you've heard this story a thousand times. I want you to try to ignore that you've seen this sign since you were little. I want you to try to appreciate the trauma of this sign to Mary and how it would impact her life some of the ways that it was going to impact her, her future husband would probably break off the engagement. You find out your uh, fiancé is pregnant, that pretty much puts an end to it, and it's not yours, right? She would have to tell her parents, and her family would be exposed to shame. It was much different in those days. The communities were much more uh, tight-knit, and so anything you did had a pretty major impact on your family name. She would also be exposed to public shame, maybe even called crazy because of the story she was telling people. Well, no, I haven't had sex with a man. I've been impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And she would have had a difficult time probably finding somebody else to marry her if Joseph had not gone forward with the marriage. Also, she would have to raise a child that was seen as illegitimate. By the way, at the birth... (laughs) Joseph and Mary are not even married at that time. They're still just just betrothed. The wedding had to take place after the birth because part of the wedding process is the consummation of the marriage. And they couldn't have sexual relations while Mary was carrying the baby. And so, a delay in the marriage, in the wedding. She would probably face many financial difficulties if no one would marry her. Because at that time, women were not Uh, financially viable like they are today. And then also, she would be mocked by people who didn't believe in her story. But because of the words of the angel, Mary knew that this was going to fulfill a prophecy from long ago. She probably knew the story of Ahaz. She had probably heard the words of Isaiah read in the synagogue many times. 
And she knew that this was the Messiah that she had been waiting for. And so she was willing to listen and obey, unlike Ahaz, who had stubbornly made up his mind beforehand. That's why he wouldn't ask for a sign. It's not that he didn't want to test the Lord. It's just that he didn't want to believe. He didn't want to trust in the Lord. He wanted to trust in the arm of man. Because many times in the physical, those things look more promising than God who remains invisible. And yet Mary trusts. Look at her response right after the angel departs from her. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Notice something that she says here. I rejoice in God my Savior. Notice that she needed a Savior. One of the false teachings in the Catholic Church is that of the Immaculate Conception. That teaching says that Mary was without sin before she gave birth to Jesus. We see here in this passage that's incorrect. She needed a Savior just as much as I need a Savior, and you need a Savior, and Israel needed a Savior. And that brings us to the final person that's impacted by this sign. Because it's a sign for you. It's a sign for me. I want you to notice the words that were spoken by the angels when they announced to the shepherds that God's sign was to be delivered there in Bethlehem that day. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This sign is for all the people. This sign is for you. God came down to dwell with us, just as he had promised through the prophet Isaiah way back 700 years beforehand. And these are real people. These are real shepherds. Mary was real, a historical figure. And so many times in Christmas we get lost in all the wonder of it and the nostalgia to the point where we think of Jesus along the same lines as Santa Claus or Jack Frost or some other mythical creature. No, Jesus was a real man in history. This is something that's very real and I'm sorry if you believe in Santa this morning. I don't want to wreck your thing or whatever like that. But this is a real person, different than Santa. Different than the reindeer and all of those things. These are not just made-up stories to make us feel warm and cozy and nostalgic on Christmas Eve. And so you have a choice today as you consider these things, as you consider the sign that God has placed before you. Because it's a sign that you've seen very often. You've seen it in nativity scenes on front lawns. You've seen it in Christmas programs where little children are dressed up like angels and shepherds and lambs and Mary and Joseph. You've seen it perhaps in ornaments on your trees. You've heard the songs in malls and on your radio in your car. But I wonder, has it lost its impact? 
Has it, has it lost the power that it was meant initially for us to receive? Will you be like the ones who ignore those deer crossing signs that we see so often because they just blend into the background? Will you disregard it like King Ahaz, who decided to trust in the saving power of someone else besides the creator of the universe? Or will you be like Mary? Will you accept this sign? Will you appreciate the significance of that sign? Counting the cost of what it's going to mean to embrace that. She had to count the cost in that moment. She had to decide for herself, no, I don't want this, or be it unto me as your servant. And I'm thankful that she chose that latter. She had a choice in that moment. And her life was changed forever because the Holy Spirit came down and conceived in her the life of God, Jesus Christ. And that's the very choice you have this morning. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to come down and conceive in you the life of Christ? Jesus in you? That's something real. We don't just say that Jesus is in my heart, you know. No, He's there. He really is. When the Holy Spirit comes and conceives that life in you. But it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you everything. From that moment, Mary's entire life changed. I have a hard time understanding how people, they come, yeah, I guess I'll be a Christian, and nothing changes. They just keep on going on living the same things that they did before. Nothing in their life changes. This is a sacrifice. When the disciples came to Jesus, it was, ah, I'll just change careers, I guess. Their whole entire life was impacted to the point where they laid down their life in death, in martyrdom. For the Lord. When the Lord breaks through into your life, it's going to change something. It's going to have an impact. It should. An encouraging verse for you in Romans as we wrap this up. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is the eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I've spent a lot of money on gifts through the years. But do you know this is the costliest gift in the history of mankind? It cost God himself. He didn't just send some created being down. He came down. That's why it's important to believe in the deity of Christ. That we believe in the words that he says here. Emmanuel, God with us. <laughs> that God came down and dwelled with mankind the most significant event in the history of the world. But also recognize we have to go on to the cross. I was talking to the children in the preschool. I do a Bible time with them each uh, month. And so as they came in, I had the manger sitting there with a blanket over, um, over it. And I said, hey, there's a gift for Pastor Scott in there. And I took that off and they all went over there and through hay everywhere and straw and we're having a great time. But I had kind of down in the, the straw there a cross. And I pulled it out. I was like, what's this? Most of them didn't know what it was. Some said a cross. And then on one smart kid, I said, what's this for? He said, for dead people. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, you put it on their graves. He probably was connecting it to a grave. But so many times we stop at the cradle. 
We're really excited about the baby Jesus, right? <laughs> you can control him, right? But that baby grew, and his life changed, and he began to impact many people to the point where his family was even wondering. <laughs> Mary, his brothers and sisters, they came, they wanted to take him away. They thought he was a crazy person. Until then, their lives started to become impacted by it. Don't stop at the cradle. Recognize that that was for a purpose, to go to the cross and to lay down his life for you. I was reading in James this morning in my morning devotions. Here's a man who didn't believe in his brother. That's the brother of Jesus. And yet later on became one of the most significant pillars in Jerusalem. And so he accepted the sign. And you have a choice this morning. Will you receive that sign? Will you receive the forgiveness? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to come down and conceive that new life in you? And if you have already, will you renew that? Sometimes we get so desensitized to all this, right? And we need to kind of renew our belief and our understanding of these things. And so I hope during this Christmas time, as you go about the wonderful things that you're going to be doing and presents and packages and you know, food and all that, keep this central, the sign that's central there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, your sign that you've directed us and warned us. Lord, we do pray for those around us who are caught up in the nostalgia of Christmas but don't know the meaning. They don't realize that you've given them an amazing gift. They've put the gift aside. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us boldness to speak and to tell people about that baby born in a manger, to invite people to the program on Christmas Eve, Lord, that they might come to know you and so, Father, we lift up these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.